Jason. Good morning, everyone. We've got to get straightened out up here. <laughs> Welcome to everyone. We're glad you're here today. It's always good to share, especially this time of year, to share this time of fellowship and worship together. It's so good to, to see each of you and to uh, share this special time of, of uh, anticipating the, the birth of, of our Lord. And so we are grateful for your presence with us today. We welcome our guests especially and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship this morning. Uh, go ahead, if you wouldn't mind, to take our, our attendance rolls on each, uh, on each row and take those and fill them out. If you wouldn't mind, we would appreciate that so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Pass it down the row and then pass it back so others can, uh, uh, can, can sign it up as well. Uh, also, a few announcements. First of all, this evening we, uh, we're going to be having a special service. This is going to be at First Christian Church. This is the Tapestry Choir, which is made up of choir members from our group back here, uh, Community Baptist Church, First Christian Church, St. Paul's, Pres- Paul's Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church, and Zion UCC. Did I leave anybody out? We have somebody from the Henderson General Baptist. And Henderson General Baptist Church. Church as well. So this is a, this is an ecumenical group uh, that have joined together to form this choir, and we're going to be presenting some special Christmas music this afternoon at five o'clock. That will be at at First Christian Church. So I uh, hope you can come and, and be a part of that and enjoy this special time of the year as we share in music this morning or this afternoon. Uh, also, this Wednesday we will be resuming our um, Wednesday schedule. We were kind of were off last week, but we'll be resuming our Wednesday the schedule for this week. Uh, you'll notice in your bulletin uh, that Habitat has a groundbreaking and a stud signing. The studs are up, so it's, we're going to be great breaking the ground, but we're, we're going to let people sign the studs and, and put some uh, some good wishes on the, on the studs, some blessings on the house if you'd like to do that. We encourage you to do that. That's this Friday uh, at 12 o'clock, and this is the house for uh, uh, Christina and Hemi Morgan. And and Christina is a member of our church here, and Hemi, and and we're glad that they are getting this house, and we want to encourage them. So we invite you to come and and be there for the groundbreaking and the stud signing, and put some good wishes on the studs before they're closed in by the walls. There, right, Larry? There you go. Also, let me remind everyone as we've been talking, this is a December to to remember, and we are celebrating our 25th anniversary. Our 25th anniversary actually was Wednesday on December the 11th, but we're celebrating all through December and then some uh, because we felt like, you know, December's an awful time to have a big banquet or something like that because there's just so much other stuff going on. So we've decided to wait until January the 4th. So we're going to be having a banquet to celebrate our uh, anniversary on January the 4th. Put that on your calendar. Hope you can come. But we we do need a number from that for that. So if you plan to be here, please RSVP, call the church office or email, and let us know if you're going to be here or not. So we would we would appreciate that. It is so good to share this time of love and joy with you and hope. And we hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we worship together. Let me invite you to stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord.
You may be seated. Our Matthew 25 representative is not here this morning because she's sick, so we're moving on to our children's moment. If our children would come on down front, please. I do a children's sermon together, and these guys can be the kids and we'll be the adults. Would that be okay? Okay. Children, this morning, our children, where is your favorite place to be? Home. Me too. I'm so glad you said that. Thank you. Me too. My favorite place in the whole world is home. Um, and there's a variety of reasons, I think, why. Um, because I think we find some pretty amazing things. And so here's what I'm wondering if we might find it. Pull in Kindness. Since you're home, you get to pull one of these and see if you find this at home. Belong. Find that at home? Okay, good. Help. Do you find that at home? Yeah, we're going to make you guys do that. Sorry. Safety. Do you find safety at home? I hope so. All right, big man. What does it say? Sharing. Do you find that your house? Absolutely. Definitely. Laughter. I find that at my house. Over the cats. <laughs> Comfort. Do you find that at your house? Love. Love. Find that at your house? Yep. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Those are great things to find at home. Well, I'm going to tell you, we all know 25 years ago... The church was started, that was long before you were born, 25 years ago, was long before you were born, there were, this church got started. If you were part of that founding parents, your name is on the charter, would you please stand? When these folks, when these folks decided to start Community Baptist Church, they were intentional to make sure that these kind of things were found here, that they wanted to make sure that this church was a church we could call home, and that we could call home because we are family. And we are family because God calls us God's children. And when we are God's children, when all of us are God's children, we are brothers and sisters. That makes us family. And they created Community Baptist Church so we could call it home. 
And the table that we sit around, you know, you go to the table and you sit around it, is this one. The communion table. They wanted to make sure that we could come here and find all of these things in this home. So I will say to you, welcome home. (laughs) Welcome home. Um, And you know me, since you're the only one here, I can come with that you know what. Uh oh, there we got a smile. I can't come without candy. And in those in that bag are hugs and kisses and snickers. The things we should find here. Welcome home, folks. Thank you.
the flowers pretty? I come every Sunday morning, I see Greg Gibson getting these out with a little bit of help. So thank you, Greg. <laughs> Our God, we're grateful today for this beautiful day and for these wonderful people who have assembled to worship in this special time of the year. We're grateful for the generosity of these people. We're grateful for their work. We're grateful for all the people that do the little things to keep the church going. We ask that you will bless these offerings and tithes in your name. Amen. Isaiah 35, 1-10 The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly. And rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a heart of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. 
and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with singing, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sign shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. There's a new sign up here about this microphone. <laughs> I'm getting tickled about it. <laughs> they were preparing the home for the new arrival, perhaps a cradle that had been made in his woodworking shop. Their home was being prepared to be in life with a newborn. They were comfortable and familiar with where they were. But then the news came of the regulations that would require them to travel to his hometown to verify records. This changed their plans. There was not a choice. It had to be done and done at that time. So they packed up and they would be carried by the donkey and then the pregnant Mary and Joseph headed to Bethlehem. Not, a, not an easy journey by any means, but it was necessary. Our whole lives were entwined there at IBT. We, brought our, we were brought as babies. We were baptized, married, taught, nurtured, laughed, cried, grew, and played. We attended with our families and our friends. And leaving could mean losing that precious connection. The time had come that the decision was going to have to be made. Not an easy one, but a decisive one. And we set out on our journey to a new body of believers and have never once regretted our decision. We all had or will have to leave our home, the place where we have a seat at the table, where we laid our heads at night, where we made a mess, played, fought, cried, and where we learned to make our bed, clean our room, bake cookies, learn to pray, and how to care for others. We've become so comfortable we forget about how special it really is. A home where comfort lives is difficult to leave. How will the new location work? Will I be able to be who I am without condemnation? Will I be accepted for who I am? Will anyone listen to me? Will patience be offered? Will they love me? Life is comfortable until the unknown shows its face. If you attended together with the group of us that met at Green Valley for the first two months or downtown at the storefront for a year and a half, we would like to ask, we would like to invite you, the founding members, to come forward and gather around the offering table as we present the Advent message for this Sunday, the Candle of Home. Yeah, get through the jungle. Um, standing before us is a group of believers who stepped out of out on faith. Before you are planters willing to make change for their faith. I was seven in the spring of 1994 and was unaware of the change, but it is where we went together as a family. I am one who was baptized at a neighboring church because in the beginning we did not have a baptistry 
and I am one who walked to the Audubon Mill Park for Children's Church, and I am one who walked into this building the very first Sunday and remembered how the floor was just concrete and poles were still visible. This is the place. This place is my home. This is the place that was that has nurtured my youth years to adult life. It was the home base for communication when I was ill in 2006. Sorry. It was one of the comfortable and familiar places I was able to come to. And in May 2020, I will utter the words, "I do." Sorry. <laughs> I would like to quote the words from a song, A Million Dreams, from the movie The Greatest Showman. I close my eyes and I can see the world that's waiting up for me, that I call my own through the dark, through the door, through the, where no one's been before, but it feels like home. Isaiah 35 invites us to reflect on this Advent season, not only as God's coming in Christ, but also as our coming home. God comes. God is here. We leap and shout and sing. And together we walk home. The long-awaited glorious time of in-house rehab had arrived. After nine months of Rachel being in four different facilities, she was to be released from the hospital. We were 400 miles from home and would be required to attend five days of in-house therapy for an extended period of time. The Ronald McDonald House could not take us in, but a childhood friend who lived one mile from the facility offered her home. The home where she and her husband were raising two young children and a golden retriever. The hospital social worker met with them to make sure they understood what this all entailed. And when they asked if they were willing to take Rachel in, the father replied, How can we not? As we light the Advent candle of home, may we be reminded today, in the days to come, to make room in our homes for the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. How can we not?
a lot of moving around today. <laughs> that song will be played tonight, or this evening, this afternoon at uh, First Christian. So I hope you'll just get a little taste of that and come out and see us. <laughs> Strange thing happened on Christmas Eve of last year. In a small town in Pennsylvania, a man got into an armed standoff with police. He was acting erratically and shooting at the police officers, so the SWAT team was called in. They tried to talk him into surrendering, but he just would not listen. The standoff lasted for, for more than 10 hours, and it could have ended in terrible tragedy, but it didn't. You see, the police negotiator gave up talking with the suspect. And instead he began to sing to him. And the song that he sang was that old Bing Crosby classic, I'll Be Home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and and presents under the tree. And, And then something dramatic happened. You see, this song calmed this man down so much that he gave himself up without anybody being hurt. Now that's a message in and of itself, isn't it? We've all experienced the power of of hearing a particular song that moves us to tears or joy or nostalgia. There are some songs that that just take you back to a good time in your life, or or maybe a sad time in your life, and and I think that's probably especially true at this time of the year, as we hear and as we sing our favorite Christmas carols. For most of us, there's at least one carol that we hear that really puts us in the mood for the season. And I think that our Bible passage for today is so appropriate for the Christmas season because it, it actually, it's actually about the songs of joy that the nation of Israel will be singing when God restores God's people and brings the nation of Israel back home again after their time of exile in foreign lands. And for Christians, this passage offers us a a picture of, of the restoration that God plans for all of humanity. And the joy on that day will be so overwhelming that everyone will burst forth in song. Listen to these words. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it'll, it'll burst into bloom. It'll rejoice greatly and shout for joy. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Don't be afraid, for your God will come with justice. God will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer and the the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a lovely pool and the thirsty ground will burst forth with bubbling springs. And the highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those, who, who, for those whom God has redeemed and those the Lord has rescued will return home along this way. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Wow. What a wonderful vision of God's plan for God's people. And this vision expresses everything that God is. The giver of life, the restorer, the redeemer, the healer, the one who who brings God's children home from faraway lands. What a word of hope for us. There's a bridge in Sunderland, England. It's called the Wearmouth Bridge. Unfortunately, it has been the sad sight of many suicides. And after learning of these suicides, a young woman there named Paige Hunter began to write notes of encouragement and (laughs) placing them on the bridge to give hope to anyone who who may come there 
with the thoughts of ending their lives. And the notes say things like, even though things are hard, your life matters. And you are a shining light in, the, in a dark world. Just hang on. Citizens of Sunderland have been so inspired by Paige's notes of encouragement that the police department presented Paige with a commendation for her contributions towards the mental health of her community. They acknowledge that these notes have saved the lives of at least nine people that they know of. Wonderful. Well, Isaiah 35 is kind of like God's note of encouragement to a hopeless people. These words come at a time when the people of Israel were in exile. They were dislocated from their homes. They were away from what is familiar to them, away from the places of security and worship. Things were not looking good for them. And then comes along, then chapter 35 comes along with its vision of, of restoration and healing and a homecoming full of joyous song. God is speaking to a people who are afraid, who have no hope for their future. And this fear has made them weak. Do you know what that's like? (laughs) To be afraid. To be in an uncertain situation. Perhaps to fall onto hard economic times, to lose a spouse or a child, to receive a bad diagnosis. You know, change is something that many of us find discomforting. And the fact is that sometimes change is good and sometimes it is not. Over 25 years ago, uh, a change took place in our, in our mother church that, that many felt were uh, was was hard on them, and it caused a lot of people to be afraid. and And what does fear do to you? It drains your focus. It disturbs your sleep. It ties your stomach up in knots. It steals your joy and your hope for the future. And I'm sure that that was probably the reaction of some of our founders, most of the founders of our church, when what they were experiencing 25 years ago. As Isaiah describes it, their hands were feeble, their knees were weak, and their hearts were fearful. And so how does somebody get over that? How does somebody get, get over that debilitation? What can restore strength to feeble hands and knees and hearts? Hope. That's what can restore strength. Hope that there is a God and that God cares about us. Hope that there is a God and that God has a purpose for us. Hope that there is a God and that God has the the power to heal everything that's been damaged and and to fix everything that's broken and to revive everything that's withered and, and free everyone who is captive. Hope that even if I sit in darkness today, tomorrow there will be more light. That's the kind of hope that God wants us to see in the coming of Jesus Christ. And through that kind of hope, these people that you saw standing here just a moment ago, our founders launched out with a huge step of faith to do something new, to do something bold and liberating. And they formed a body of believers and called it Community Baptist Church, one of the best-named organizations I've ever heard. Thank you. And they committed themselves. You know what they committed themselves to? To following the lead of Christ. And that is always a good thing. Because Jesus represents the hope of God's presence with us. I believe that that is a good word in every season of the year, but I think especially so in a time of of difficulty. The situation which Israel found itself in seemed hopeless. Many people today may feel that same kind of hopelessness. 
But let me tell you something, folks. Jesus is the hope of God's presence with us. And that hope, when it is caught, can lead to beautiful, miraculous homecomings. It was their love of Christ that compelled our founders forward in hope for something new, for something better, for something more in line with what they believed was God's will for them. And that hope is found in unexpected ways. Unexpected ways. In his book titled Destiny is Character, Senator John McCain shared an experience from his years as a prisoner of war. Uh, John McCain was captured after his plane was shot down over North Vietnam, and he spent five and a half years in a Vietnamese prison camp. He was tortured regularly. He spent much of his time in solitary confinement. And one night, as a punishment for communicating with with one of the other prisoners, McCain was tied up tightly, his arms tightly behind his back in a very uncomfortable position, and he was thrown into a punishment cell. But to his surprise, a guard snuck in in the night and loosened the ropes so that he wouldn't suffer so much and be so uncomfortable. McCain didn't understand why that happened. This was his enemy. He didn't understand why this happened until a few months later when it was Christmas morning and the prisoners were allowed to to go outside for a few moments of fresh air. And that same guard who had snuck into McCain's cell walked up beside him. He did not say a word. He did not make eye contact. But in the dirt, that guard scratched the image of the cross with his shoe. And then he rubbed it off, rubbed it out, and walked away. That guard was a Christian. And that's why he risked his life to help John McCain. McCain wrote, For just that moment, I forgot all my hatred for my enemies and all the hatred most of my enemies felt for me. I forgot about the interrogators who persecuted my friends and me. I forgot about the war and and the terrible things that war does to you. For one brief moment, I was just one Christian venerating the cross with a fellow Christian on Christmas morning. Do you see what happened there? Even in the middle of a prisoner of war camp, John McCain experienced the presence of God. In the middle of the worst circumstance that we could even imagine, John McCain experienced John, uh, God's presence. And my friends, that's the hope that Jesus can bring to each of us. That God cares enough to come to us, no matter where we are. And if the presence of Christ can bring hope to prisoners in a foreign land, then Christ can restore hope for all of us as well. That brings us to the second message of Isaiah and of the story of Christmas today. And that is that Jesus is the hope of new life. This this passage is filled with images of withered plants blooming again and dry riverbeds gushing with water of people undergoing miraculous healings. And, And this is a vision of the kingdom of God when Jesus finally restores the world to God's original plan for the world. And in that day, there will be no more death. There will be no more pain or mourning. You see, God is making all things new. And when we choose to give our lives to Christ, Christ plants within us the seeds of God's kingdom so that we can, even now, begin to see that new life and to live that new life right here and now in the hopes that God will restore us all. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Do you founders remember the the energy and the excitement and the joy of that new church start 25 years ago? Y'all remember that? Do you remember moving out of the way that things were and into the unknown way of things to come in hope? 
Do you remember the hope that you felt in those days? Do you remember your first Sunday in this building? I know Rachel does. She told us that. You remember the first Sunday in this building? The excitement. There was a parade that came out here. Everything was exciting. You remember the hope that of what lay ahead? Do you remember your, your sense of hope for, for this new congregation that you were forming? Wasn't it amazing? Wasn't it exciting? Wasn't it joyful? Of course it was. God was giving you new life. And that's always amazing. Back in 1969, neurologist Oliver Sacks began testing a drug on patients suffering from encephalitis lethargica, otherwise known as sleeping sickness. These patients lived, uh, live in a, in a state somewhere between sleeping and wakefulness, and they can't connect with the world around them. They can't communicate with others. And Dr. Sachs' experiments with this new drug were, were so, so successful that he published a book titled Awakenings. You may remember that it was made into a movie star, starring Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. And there's one scene in that movie where De Niro's character, a man named Leonard, had been in a catatonic state for over 30 years. And this drug brought him out of this state and allowed him to return, at least for a while, to some semblance of, of, of a normal life. And this was like being born again for him. This was a, a new awakening for him. And in one scene, he calls on the phone, he calls the doctor, and he, he announces, we've got to tell everybody. We've got to remind them. We've got to remind them how good it is. And the doctor asks, how good what is, Leonard? And Leonard picks up the newspaper and he says, read the newspaper, see what they say. It's all bad. People have forgotten what life is about. They've forgotten what it is to be alive. to, And they need to be reminded about what they have and what they could lose. And what I feel is the joy of life, the, the gift of life, the freedom of life, the wonderment of life. My friends, once you've experienced new life, you can't imagine taking even a single moment for granted. And this hope in God that I've been talking about this morning restores to us the joy of life, the gift of life, the freedom of life, the wonderment of life. Hope in God is our security and our joy. And finally, this message of Isaiah 35 and of the Christmas story is this. Christ is the hope of a new walk with God. In this passage, God promises that the eyes of the blind will be opened, that the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, that the, the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Let me, let me ask each of you something, and especially to our founding members today. Are you in the same place that you were 25 years ago? Has God opened your eyes to anything new in these years? Has God unstopped your ears to hear the voice of God speaking new truths in new ways? Has this new thing that God is creating in you provoked excitement and joy as you not only hear the good news of God's kingdom, but also live it. I can only speak for the past 15 years that I've been here at Community Baptist Church, but I'm not the same. I don't think you are either. We've all grown together as God has expanded God's Spirit for God's love for all people, everyone. And that has allowed us to love everyone as well. Jesus has promised us that His Spirit will live in the hearts of those who put their faith in Him. And, and that Spirit teaches us the truths of God and leads us to a new way of living and thinking 
and loving as people of God. We no longer wander around without a purpose. With with God's Spirit, we are walking along the highway of holiness towards Zion. We are finally and joyfully headed home. Pastor John Walton tells of a, a Christmas several years ago in which he was searching for a special gift for a family member. For some reason, she wanted an old-fashioned typewriter, which is, if you ever, if you've tried to buy one recently, it's hard to find. And he couldn't find one, but he finally found one at a repair shop. And the rough-looking young man behind the counter noticed that Pastor Walton was wearing a, a clerical collar, and he asked him about his church. The young man mentioned that he attended a drug and alcohol recovery group at another church. And he said, I pray every day, Reverend. You know, the serenity prayer. And he showed Pastor Walton a wrinkled card with the serenity prayer printed on it. He obviously treasured it and kept it close. And as he was leaving the store, Pastor Walton turned and said, Merry Christmas. And the young man said, Oh, no problem there, Reverend. I'm going home for Christmas. Going to be at my mother's house. Haven't been there in over 17 years. So I know it's going to be a Merry Christmas. Then he said, I hope you get there too. Walton said, Excuse me? Young man said, Home. Home for Christmas. I hope you get there too. John writes, every year I remember his wish. I hope you get home for Christmas. Because deep down inside of us, whether we know it or not, that's what we long for. I, for one, am so grateful that this is my home and yours. Isaiah 35 is a vision of coming home to God who loves us so much, who created us for new life. And like any good homecoming, it's full of songs of joy of of those who have been restored and healed and set free and set to walk on a new walk with God. And this homecoming is a gift for everyone who will put their trust in Jesus Christ and follow Him to His kingdom. So let us take up the glad song of the Lord. And let us rejoice. Let us sing praises of God as we make our way home. Let's go tell it on the
Our help rests in the Lord. Our God has made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it. Our God is the one who executes justice for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. Our God is the one who sets the prisoner free and opens the eyes of the blind. It's the one who lifts up those who are bowed down and watches over the strangers in our land. And our God does this because God's people do this. Let us thank God for the hope we have, even in dark times. Let us thank God for the light that is coming. And now we go from here to be beacons of hope for our world. We go to fulfill our mission to be the presence of Christ, to serve the world in need.